Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello Church, we're continuing to talk about being anchored. We read a passage from Hebrews chapter 6 and at the end of that passage it says this hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus. And it talks about some people have an anchor that goes into a secret place. He says at the beginning of this passage that he's talking about we should imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise of God. And what he's saying is that some people seem to have a hidden well, a hidden source of strength, a, a connection to something greater. And then he goes on to say that it's like an anchor that goes beneath the surface of the water. If we are all boats floating on the sea of life, some people seem to have an ability to put an anchor below the surface to bedrock, and they are not blown around by all the storms, and they have extra strength. In the next talk, I'm going to talk about some of those people that he says we should imitate. He says, imitate those who seem to have the ability to inherit the promises of God. And then in a couple of chapters later in Hebrews 11, he lists a whole lot of them. And I'm going to look at those and see how they drew on the secret source of strength, this anchor for the soul, sure and steadfast, that enters the presence, goes beneath the surface of the water, into an unseen, hidden spiritual realm. But in this passage, he says that it's going behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And what he's doing here is he's referencing an Old Testament picture that every Jewish person would have understood. Because for thousands of years, the Jews had had a tabernacle or a temple. They had to go to this place to meet with God, to worship God. There was one central place. At every festival, they would all gather there again. That's where all the sacrifices of uh, forgiveness and thanksgiving and all these different ritual sacrifices had to be made. This is where the priests served God and they would go in and burn incense and, and worship God and pray for the people. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the high priest would go into the very central place, the Holy of Holies, which is behind the veil, the presence behind the veil. He would put blood on the mercy seat. The Ark of the Covenant was a box overlaid with gold with two statues of angelic beings, cherubim on the top. And there was a mercy seat on the top. He would put blood on that for forgiveness. And in Moses' day, the presence of God was there on the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubim in a cloud. And that cloud then extended up through the roof of the tabernacle. And it became a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. It gave them protection and blessing, but it also moved and told them when they had to go to the next place in their journeys through the wilderness. And this passage, I, I don't know if you realize the, the amazing importance of this little passage, these few verses. It says, This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, 
which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever. It's saying that we can do something which in the Old Testament times was reserved for the high priest. One man, once a year, for a few moments of a day, the Day of Atonement, could go in. He would go in with fear and trembling. He would pray. He would make sure that he was washed in water. He would put in, put on brand new white linen clothes. He would um, say the right prayers and ask for forgiveness. He had a rope tied to his ankle in case he died in the presence of God. And he would go in there and he would make atonement and pray for forgiveness for the nation. And God would turn away from the sins of the nation. But I want to show you today that Jesus became A, the high priest who went into the presence for us. B, he was the lamb whose blood was shed on the mercy seat. C, he is the veil that actually was torn into when his body was broken. He opened the veil. And that's why on the day Jesus was crucified, the, the veil, the curtain in the temple into the Holy of Holies was torn into from top to bottom, meaning only God could have done it. Meaning people now had access, you and I had access into the very holiest place, the presence of God. And that is the secret place that some people have found. Now you might say, whoa, I'm not a high priest. I'm not a particularly um, important Christian or I, I don't have all sorts of qualifications, experience. I'm not particularly special. And the amazing news is that Jesus is the one who's special. He is the one who makes us worthy, makes us clean, washes us. His blood covers us. And when we get that, friend, when we understand that, we realize that you and I can go into the secret holy place whenever we want to. And it is an anchor for our soul. When the wind and the waves of life come against us, we can go into that place below the surface it can be stormy above the surface. The boat can be blown all over the place. But you go through behind the veil, through the surface, into the presence, the Holy Spirit's presence, where Jesus has laid his blood on the altar for us. And suddenly there is a source of strength, of unchangeableness. It's sure and steadfast. And those people are the ones who seem to have a hidden well from which they can draw. So let me read you a few amazing verses. In Exodus 25 and verse 22, it says, And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. So I'm going to mention a few things that are in this secret place that you and I can have access to. And then I'm going to show us how we do this practically on a daily basis. The first thing is that God says, I will meet with you. His presence is there. You know, that is the most important part. In the passage in Hebrews 6, it says, we have an anchor that goes into the presence behind the veil, the presence of God. It's all about Him. I want to meet with Him. I want to see Him face to face. Uh, in Exodus 33, it says, and it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face 
as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Moses would go and talk face to face with God, and the Bible tells us that every time he came out, his face was glowing, was shining with the presence of God, because when you're face to face with God, you are changed. And you and I have the opportunity to do this on a daily basis. You know, I've seen people who are not well qualified, who in this world's eyes don't have much to offer, but because they've found the secret place of going into God's presence, talking to Him face to face, they have done extraordinary things, extraordinary things. I know a man in Zimbabwe who was a, a cattle herder, a very, very poor man. He grew up with nothing and he became one of the greatest church leaders in our country, and I've seen it again and again and again. A person who can go into the secret place behind the veil finds strength because we've spoken to the Lord. The second thing that we see in the secret place is God's power. In Leviticus 16 verse 2, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And the power of God was so strong that, that Aaron or whoever the high priest was had to be careful of the power of God in case they die. And I want to tell you, there is great power in God's presence. But because we are clothed in Jesus and His righteousness, we can, the Bible says, enter boldly into the throne of grace. The third thing we get there is guidance. Guidance from the Lord where He moves us and He says, I want you to do this. I want you to move here. In Exodus 40, it says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up for the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Friend, throughout all your journeys, God wants to guide you. As we put this anchor into the presence of God every day, as we go in and we see Jesus paid for us and we have complete forgiveness and acceptance by God, we go in there and we get guidance. If you are trying to make big decisions without going into the quiet secret place behind the veil, you will struggle because our earthly wisdom is so limited. But God, in His wisdom, He sees the whole picture. He sees the beginning and the end. And He says, this is the way. Walk in it. Guidance is the, is the next one. And then I just want to talk about the mercy and the mercy seat. Hebrews 9 says, but into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year. This is talking about the Old Testament and then showing us what Jesus did. And I really, really want you to get this, my friend, because if we get this, it makes us an anchored person. 
You can come from the worst background. You could have had the worst trauma and difficulties in your life. You could have the biggest opposition against you. But if you have this, the acceptance and the love of God, if you know that he sees you with a smile on his face and he says, you are righteous, you are forgiven, you are acceptable, suddenly you are anchored in life. You have a secret source of power. He says the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way to the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. Verse 11, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. You see, the, the earthly temple and tabernacle were just a model, a picture to show people a bigger reality, the spiritual reality of heaven. And Jesus went in and there is an altar and a mercy seat in heaven. And Jesus went into the real tabernacle. And even though the earthly priests had to do it with the blood of animals on a regular basis, we're going to see what Jesus achieved. And when you get this, you will be anchored not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Once for all, eternal redemption. Can you see that when I look at my own weakness and my own sin and, I, and I'm wracked by guilt and inadequacy, what I'm actually doing is I'm undervaluing the power of what Jesus did for me, because it's not my goodness, it's the great Savior who has made me worthy. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. It cleanses our conscience. When I look at my weakness, I see how bad I am, but then I look at my great Savior. You know, when the Israelites saw the high priest going in, they would have been racked with guilt. They would have thought of all the sins that they've committed and all the reasons they had to be guilty and unworthy. And then the priest came out and he said, I've made atonement, the blood of the animals has been accepted. It's been put on the mercy seat. God has forgiven you. And they would have trusted in that and had a, a sigh of relief. And my friend, you and I can do that because Jesus, the perfect lamb, has paid for us. Listen to these verses from the very next chapter, Hebrews 10, verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. He says it was a once off sacrifice. It didn't need to be redone again and again. And I wonder if you are feeling every day like you have to make up for your sins. That means you're not relying on the power and the beauty of what your Savior has done once for all for you. Listen to verse 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever, my friend, those who are being sanctified. He has made you perfect forever, but he doesn't just say, I'm washing away your sins. He's then sanctifying you so that you live right, so that you don't do those sins again. He's 
made you forgiven, perfected you forever. You are perfect in God's sight. But then he says, now let's make you behave just as God sees you. Isn't that amazing? Verse 18. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. We don't need to make an offering for sin because Jesus has done it. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, boldness. This is the people who have an anchor. Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Friend, is that you? If you get a glimpse of Jesus paying the price for you, you will be anchored, you will be able to calm your, your worried heart and your conscience that keeps accusing you, and you will say, my Savior has paid the price. And now I just want to talk about the ark, because in the ark, let me read to you what Hebrews 9 says. Behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer. Now, the golden censer, there was a, an altar of incense, and the censer was the little instrument that the priest would use to administer the incense. And it says that was left inside the Holy of Holies for some reason. Probably a picture of the fact that Jesus has opened the veil for us. But then listen to what it says. The Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold and in which were the golden pots that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of these things we cannot now speak in detail. I'm running out of time today, so I'm just going to spend five minutes telling you what these three things are. Greg, why are you telling me what these three things are? Because the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies contained three things. It contained the bread, the manna that the Israelites had eaten on the wilderness journey. It contained the tablets of the Ten Commandments with God's laws written on it. And it contained Aaron's stick. Aaron was Moses' brother. There was a big dispute, a power struggle. And the people of Israel rose up and said, Moses and Aaron, we don't want you to lead us. And God said, each of the 12 tribes put a stick in my presence. And in the morning, come back and see. And they went back in the morning and Aaron's stick, which represented Aaron and Moses, had blossomed and budded. Even though it was decades old, it was a dry dead stick. Suddenly there were almonds and leaves and beauty coming out of it. It, it had come alive. And God said, they are my authority, respect them. Those were the three things in the Ark of the Covenant, in the presence of God. And when you and I go behind the veil, if we put our anchor into God, we get those three things, my friend. You get the manna. God said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And you get God's provision of your physical bread, but you also get the words of God every day. He speaks to your heart and he encourages you. You get the Ten Commandments. God says, I will write my laws on their hearts and on their minds, and I will move them and cause them to serve me and obey me. He says, God works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, you are an epistle 
written not on tablets of stone or with ink, but written on your hearts. And so God writes his laws on your heart. And as you go into the presence, you find that you want to do God's will. You have the manner, God's provision. You have God's laws and ways on your heart. And you have the staff of Aaron that shows God's authority. First of all, you say, God, you are my authority. But then he says to you, you have my authority. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 to his disciples, I give you authority over snakes and scorpions and over all the works of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. And God gives you authority. And as we go in and out of the presence of God, as that anchor is sure and steadfast into the secret, hidden, spiritual place behind the veil where we see what Jesus has done for us, we spend time in his presence. It changes us and we have authority. We have God's will and we have God's provision and words. And now I just want to close by showing you that Jesus, yes, Jesus, went into God's presence regularly. He found this secret place, this anchor. Luke 5, 16, so Jesus himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. What about when he wanted to make a big decision? Luke 6, 12, now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself and from them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. You see, Jesus didn't just do it on his own strength. Even though he was God, he went into the secret place behind the veil, under the surface, into the anchor, the rock of God, and he gained strength and guidance. And God said, choose those 12. What about when his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded in Matthew 14, verse 12. Then his disciples came and took away the body and went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But then multitudes came to that place. So he fed the 5,000 in verse 23. After he'd fed the 5,000, it said, When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. Friend, I want to show you that Jesus went into the secret place often. He often withdrew. And there was one time where he took Peter, James, and John with him. Most of the time he was all alone. But one time he took his three closest disciples with him. Matthew 17, verse 1. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Friend, what do we do with this? A few points that I really hope you get today. Number one. The secret place, the, the holy of holies, the presence of God, the power of God, the guidance of God, the provision of God, everything that God has for us. Jesus entered it regularly and you and I can now enter it regularly because Jesus, the forerunner, went and he tore the veil in two and he made a way. But you have to see it for yourself. You have to see the power and the glory and the amazing privilege that we have of entering God's presence. You have to see Jesus' blood laid on the mercy seat for you so that we can enter boldly before the throne of grace. And I pray that you do that. I pray that you say, Lord, I can't save myself. My sins are many. I cannot ever pay for them, but you paid a price and I accept your forgiveness. 
for me. Thank you, Lord. Pray that prayer right now and let us know if you've prayed it. But then secondly, my friend, you and I can enter right into the holy place regularly. 2 Corinthians 3 says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Friend, every time you gaze on the glory of the Lord, when you say, thank you, Jesus, that I can enter into God's presence, wherever I am, whatever time of day it is, not because I'm clean or good, but because, Jesus, you made a way and you've made me clean. When you go in there and you gaze on the glory of the Lord by faith. You know, when you're looking at a, a sea, when you're on a boat and you're looking at the water, it it's, reflects the light. You can't really see below. But by faith, you say, my anchor is going deep. My anchor is going right into the bedrock of what Christ did for me and his truth and his nature. When you see by faith the glory of the Lord, it's beholding as in a mirror. It reflects back to you. You're looking at the water. You know God's glory is there, but it reflects your face back to you. And it's as in a mirror because that glory of the Lord, he's put it in you. He says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's put that power and glory in you. You see it, you gaze as in a mirror and you say, Lord, I'm unworthy, but you are great. You are amazing. Thank you, Jesus that I'm accepted. Thank you that you love me, that I am completely clean and forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that you give me power, provision, guidance, that you lead me, that you show me the way, that you'll never leave me or forsake me. Friend, that is the anchor for your soul. That is the secret place that will cause you to be an overcomer. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.